Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sassy Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Lucy Pinto. I'm excited to share with you my stories of everyday resilience and allow others to share theirs. My goal is to help people heal and find inner peace through our shared stories. This episode may include profanity or discuss topics that may be triggering for some. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sassy Warrior Podcast. It's Lucy again. I have to tell you that I am nervous about doing this episode. I have spent a lot of time thinking about whether I'm going to do it and to what extent I'm going to do it. And then I received a sign from above. I am very spiritual, and I kept on receiving signs and getting a push to to go ahead and do it. So I'm going to. One of those signs is that this month is April that I'm recording this, and April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. I also have a friend that called me last week and told me that she had experienced something, and I walked her through the process, and it turns out that she had been drugged and taken advantage of. And I realized after this happened that I had to share my story, not in detail, but enough to give others hope and know that you can tell your story too, to whatever extent that you want to. My story is of betrayal and overcoming. And for anyone that's experienced any type of trauma, I'm not going to go into the details of what happened to me, but I will give a light version of the scenario and experience of what happened and how I was able to overcome it because ultimately it led me to wanting to take my own life. And I find that it's a heavy enough situation that it needs to be talked about. And everyone needs to know that no matter what you go through, you can overcome it because I honestly didn't think that I could overcome what happened to me. In October 2018, I was having dinner and drinks with a very close friend and their significant other. And we were out at a restaurant and we were having fun and everything was great. And the night ended with that significant other trying to make a pass at me. And I had had four to five drinks that night, at least, maybe six. I'm not 100% sure. I wasn't like completely intoxicated to the point where I couldn't walk or defend myself or speak up for myself because trust me, I did. And I'm not saying that you have to if you're ever in a horrible situation, but I did. At some point in the night, after this significant other of my friend was informing me that they were planning on making continued advances towards me throughout the night, I was like, okay, I've had four to five drinks. I'm not drunk off my ass. I can still walk. I probably shouldn't drive. And I can certainly speak up to myself. So how am I going to handle this situation? 
So I ended up deciding that I was just going to lock my bedroom door and that I was going to go to sleep. And this stupid drunk guy who's acting like an idiot will go to sleep as well. I got up to my bedroom door and there was no lock on the door. And instantly I was like, um, so now what am I going to do? And I had thought to myself, I'll just get in my car. I'll just drive down the street. I'll do, and I'm like, how am I going to explain this? You know, and I kept on telling myself, everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. This is not a big deal. This is not a big deal. This is not even really happening right now. The way that it really was happening. And I ended up deciding to lock myself in the bathroom. The bathroom was between my bedroom and their bedroom. And then at some point, I'm like, okay, this is just stupid. Like, how long am I staying in here until they go to bed? Like, what am I going to do? And then I ended up deciding to go and get, like, a pillow and a blanket. And I was going to spend the night in the bathroom. Well, I'm going to give you the short version of the story, which is that he ended up breaking into the bathroom. And certain things happened that I did not want to happen. And then at some point I went back to bed and I thought, okay, that's over with. And not really in tune with what had just happened, like in complete denial. And at some point he later came into my room, which really kind of shocked me. And he tried to do the same thing again. And the reason that I want to share my story is not for sympathy. Please, 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 not for sympathy. I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me. I'm sharing my story because sometimes you think that you're in the safest situation possible and you're not. And as a woman, specifically, I find that it is very important to always have your guard up to a certain extent and to always have an action plan in place if you were in a situation that you were not comfortable in. So I ended up going home and I told my mom what happened. And thankfully for me, I have an amazing mother and she stood by me. And I told her, I was like, look, I have to go back and tell this person, my dear friend that I love more than anything, that their significant other had done something to me. And honestly, I didn't know if I had the strength to do it. My biggest fear was not how I was handling things, which was really, really badly, but how they were going to react and how they were going to handle it. And not for one second did I think that they were not going to believe me. That was not a concern of mine. My concern was, what if they take their own life? What if they hurt themselves? Like, what if something bad happens to them? And I have to be honest with you, I really questioned telling her because, you know, you don't want to hurt people that you care about. But yet at the same time, you want to protect them. And I thought to myself, like, she has to know, like, I would want to know who I'm with and what they're capable of and who they really are. And no matter what, I'm going to tell her because I truly believe it's the right thing. My friends believe it's the right thing. I have to do the right thing no matter what the outcome is. 
So I ended up going back to where she lives and I wrestled, I want to say about 48 hours with how I was going to tell her, when I was going to tell her. I was really nervous. Like I was paranoid. I had been diagnosed with PTSD and I ended up going to the police station where she lives to file a police report. And that was a really hard thing to do. And I encouraged my friend that had something happen to her last week to do this because I knew that she wouldn't regret it and that it was the right thing. So I went to the police station and I remember going up and telling the person who I think was a volunteer at the police department what had happened to me and that I needed to file a report. And he was not a very nice guy. He was kind of a dick, to be honest with you. And he was very insensitive and basically told me I was going to have to wait around. And I don't remember what else he said, but all I remember is curling up on the chair that I was sitting in and just crying my eyes out. And my mom was a couple of seats away from me. And at some point, this lady walks in from outside and she comes over to me and she's like, are you okay? And I couldn't even speak. And my mom came over and said, you know, that's my daughter and this is what happened and this is what we're waiting on. And she said, you know, let me escalate this for you. And she went and got somebody. And I went through the process of explaining every detail as to what happened to me. And I have to say that was probably one of the hardest things I've had to do because when you're questioned... When you are accusing somebody of something like what happened to me, they are going to ask you the ins and outs of this story. And they are going to ask you the details over and over and over again. And I could tell very quickly that they were looking for loopholes. They wanted to make sure that I was telling the truth, that I wasn't making it up. And I was very lucky that I had this young unseasoned cop who was kind of like, I want to say like a friend or an older brother, like he was just so kind and understanding. And I feel blessed to have had him as the person that took my intake and my story of the accounts of what happened. And that followed up with me having to talk to a special victims detective and being followed up to do a recorded phone call to try to get this person to admit to what he did. And so that happened within 24 to 48 hours. And he couldn't even remember that night. Like he couldn't remember the details of what happened. And he was like super paranoid because he's thinking to himself like, oh my God, she she knows, she's going to know and telling me like, you know, you can't tell her and, you know, this, that and the other and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, this is like one of the most important people in the world to me. Like, I don't really know you. Do you really think that I'm not going to tell this person? But of course, I couldn't let him know that. So he didn't admit to anything because he didn't remember anything. So how do you remember what you didn't do if you don't remember what you did do? So I think it was that night or the next night, she came over to my house. My mom was there. And one of the first things she said to me 
well, I guess it was before she came over, was I really want to know what you think about so-and-so. This is her significant other. Like, I really want to know what you think about him. And I told my mom and something just blurted out of my mouth. Like, I'll tell you what he is, you know. And so she came over and the first thing she did was she asked for a drink. She didn't even know why she was there. Like, we were basically, like, going to say our goodbyes, order pizza, hang out, chill, whatever. And she's like, I got to make myself a gin and tonic. And I'm like, why don't you sit down for a moment? And she could tell that the mood was changing. And I sat down on the couch across from her. And my mom was sitting there, too. And I said to her, you know, you asked me what I thought about so-and-so. And I have to tell you. And I told her what had happened the previous week. And she looked at me with her jaw on the floor. And at that moment, I assumed sympathy from her. But that's really not what happened. She was in complete disbelief. I mean, as much as I was. And couldn't understand how it happened but yet couldn't remember what she was doing at the time that it was happening. So I don't know if she was asleep. I don't know if she was taking a bath. I don't know if she was drugged. I don't really know anything about that. And I did have that feeling of, where were you? You know, like this was happening, like, where were you? And things quickly shifted. And I I was, don't get me wrong. Like I was very kind to her. Like I wasn't harassing her or anything. Like I was like, do you remember like where you were or what you were doing? You know, cause she at some point had checked on me before he broke into the bathroom because I had had the door locked and she couldn't remember. So I didn't get an apology from her. I didn't get any sympathy or concern for my own well-being. Things like quickly escalated from there. So immediately she wanted to call him and ream him an asshole, you know, and tell him what she really thinks about him and call him names and all of this stuff. And I told her, I was like, look, if you want to do that, that's fine. But I cannot be here when you're doing that. Like, I cannot hear his voice. I like I cannot be a part of this. Like, I couldn't say it then, but like I was in some severe trauma bubble that like I I could only associate myself with the situation at a certain level and that I need to pull back. So I ended up leaving the house and she apparently called him. And for my mom being there, she told me what was said back and forth. And it was my understanding at that point that, of course, she believed me. Like, she's my friend of, like, a gazillion years. Like, why would she not believe me? This is somebody that I would throw myself in front of traffic for. You know, somebody that said that I saved their life on many occasions. And there's nothing in the world that I wouldn't have done for this person. But I also want to say that even if I didn't know her that well, even if she was a stranger, I am the type of human being with the moral compass that I would never do onto somebody else that I would not want done to me. So by that, I mean that I would never put myself in a situation where I would be involved with somebody else's significant other because I wouldn't want that done to me. 
And, you know, even in the process of being married and being unhappy at times, like I never considered cheating on my significant other. Um, In the process of dating post-divorce, I've had a lot of men that were married or in serious relationships that tried to date me. And I was like, no way, this is not happening. Like this is something that I could never do to somebody else on purpose. So what ended up happening is I ended up leaving the next day because I was supposed to be at a business conference with a few of my business associates and everything was already paid for. I promised them I would be there. And to be honest with you, I didn't want this person to take anything from me that he hadn't already taken. I wanted to live my life and I wasn't going to go and hide in a corner or under a bed sheet and pretend like my life was over. Like I was going to continue on and be a fighter. So I went on this trip. I'm not going to lie. It was difficult and just functioning like daily was difficult doing anything. I was very sensitive to noise, music. Uh, We had people above us, the little kids that were like stomping around, just so many things like triggered me in so many different ways. and. On the last day of the trip, we were at the airport. And it's interesting because I'm sitting at the airport and I'm looking at this girl and I'm like, she looks so familiar. So familiar. Who is this? Like, I know this face. And all of a sudden, I realized that it was my mom's physician assistant for her back doctor that did her surgery. And I was like, this is wild. Like, what's the chances we're on both on this flight and we're going back to Fort Lauderdale? And this is just like crazy, crazy, crazy. Now, I didn't know it at the time that things were going to take a very, very different turn. I decided to text my friend and check on her. And I, I wanted to know how she was doing. And she wrote me back and she said that she had a very hard time believing that I wasn't partly responsible for what happened. And I can't really explain to you the level of shock that I had at that very moment, other than to say my first gut punch instinct was, how do I get to the top of this building? Because I need to jump off because I can't live this life. I can't deal with this. I can't face this. I can't face one of the people that I trust and love more than anything in this world telling me that they don't believe me. And quickly, I realized that seeing my mom's physician assistant and saying hello to her and everything was like a sign that like, hey, Lucy, like everything's going to be okay. Like you got to figure out how you're going to handle this until you get home. So I was with two friends, but I really needed some reinforcement in regards to people that knew the person that I was dealing with. And immediately I tried calling one of my best friends since middle school and she didn't answer. So I started texting another friend. And next thing you know, I'm on the phone with one friend, I'm texting the other friend and they're helping me rationalize what was going on, you know? And at the end of the day, they were like, look, like you have to consider the source of who you're dealing with. And this is somebody that is not well, clearly and isn't able to handle this situation. So she's blaming you. She doesn't want to face reality. And I got enough of a sense of relief that I could pull myself together and get on the airplane and go home. But I have to say that for months and months and months and months and months after that, it took me a very long time 
to move on from that. It took a lot of therapy. It took a lot of rest. It took a lot of tears. I had a really hard time accepting how she felt. And I I honestly, I couldn't comprehend it because I'm the type of person that I'm like, you're my best friend. I've known you for blah, blah, blah amount of years. Like, of course, I'm going to believe you. Like, why would you lie to me? Like, I don't generally keep friendships where I don't trust people or I don't know who they are. You know, I don't trust their character. I didn't know how to handle this. Like, it was literally the worst thing that ever happened to me. It was worse than the death of my father. It was worse than going through a divorce. And I had just reclaimed myself and overcome the process of finalizing a divorce. You know, I was working through it and I was still separated, but, you know, I had dealt with the grief and the guilt and the shame. And I was finally at this point where I was like, okay, I think I can do life again. And then bam, this happened to me. And I actually hadn't been drinking for several months before this incident happened. And then when I stayed with her, she liked to drink and do other things. And I told her, I was like, look, I don't drink. I'm not drinking right now. And then next thing you know, the champagne comes out and there's two glasses and we're drinking. So that went on for several nights and then what happened happened. So I have to be honest and say that I I really didn't know how to handle this situation. I was already in therapy. I had spoke to my therapist about the fact that it's clear that this relationship between me and her should have ended a long time ago and that it was not a healthy relationship, that she clearly needed help, and that the best thing for me to do was to move on. And it felt like a death. I felt like she had died. And that was the most heartbreaking thing in the world to me. And I had a really hard time accepting her feelings, but I also had to make a very important decision. In the last episode, I talked with Colleen about how I had to come to a very difficult decision and how I hired her again to help me with that decision. And that decision was whether... I was going to continue with my plans to go live abroad because this had just happened to me. And to be honest with you, I was not okay. And I didn't know how to tell my friends. I didn't know how to tell my family. And, you know, I didn't want to feel like a fraud. You know, I'd been telling them for months and months and months, you know, I'm going to live abroad and I'm going to do this and we're going to be living in this country and that country. And, you know, my brother was going to come visit me and, you know, all these different things. And I was really excited to have this new amazing experience, but I had put down my deposit before this incident had occurred. And once this incident occurred, I would think about going on this trip and I'm like, I'm either going to drink my way through this trip to handle my feelings of the trauma that just occurred. Or I'm going to end my life on this trip. That's how I truly felt. So I brought Colleen back into the equation. And I explained to her how I felt, but that I was very torn. Because it was a very difficult decision to be like, okay, all of a sudden I'm not doing this amazing trip and I'm not going. And I don't consider myself an average person. (laughs) You know, like I love doing things above and beyond and living an exciting life. And it was really hard to say, like, I can't do this. And 
because of what this one person did to me, I'm not going to continue to live my life the way that I had planned it. But I realized with working with Colleen, a few things. So one of that was that I loved myself and that I was willing to do anything to get better and that I wanted to protect myself, that I knew that if I went one or two of those things was going to happen and that it would result in something absolutely horrific or I was going to stay back and face what happened to me. So I was able to come to the very difficult decision that I was not going on the trip and I informed my mother why. And I I don't think she was really disappointed. I think she was more concerned about like how I was going to tell people. But yet she was very quick with solutions also. She kind of stepped in and she's like, I got this. She's like, I will handle this. You know, and she kind of like she kind of brainstormed the whole thing. And she's like, "Okay, Lucy, she's like, you're not going on this trip because your business is doing so well. You just can't possibly leave the country. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, sure. Everyone will believe that. Like, sure. Why not? You know, and she covered for me. She protected me during the worst time of my life, which I guess you would expect any mother would do. But that's not what I've heard from other people. And that's part of the reason why I want to share my story is because if you do not have resources, if you do not have people that are willing to support you and stand by you, find them. Look up the resources. Get the help that you need. You never deserve to be alone. This is the worst thing that ever happened to me. I used to drive over bridges and want to turn the wheel and just end up flipping over the bridge and just crashing and dying. And I really didn't care. Like, I, I know that sometimes it's like, well, you know, you have, a, you have an amazing life. You have a, you know, amazing business. You have amazing friends. Your mom, your family loves you and everything. But with what I was going through, like, it ate me alive. You know, like, I just couldn't, I couldn't function. I didn't know how to exist. I didn't know how to be okay. And that went on for quite some time. So it wasn't until this past February 2020 that I realized something needed to change. I realized that I had came to a crossroads and I wasn't happy with the direction that my life was going. I wasn't feeling fulfilled. I wasn't proud of myself and I wasn't living a healthy lifestyle. And I wanted so much more. I always wanted so much more out of life. And I had this gut instinct that if I didn't do something about this, I wasn't going to live a long life, whether it was by choice or not by choice. I ended up going to a conference for the company that I represent, and it was a conference by invitation. There was a very small percentage of people in the company that were invited. And I just remember going to this conference and watching all these amazing women on stage receiving all of these awards and knowing that they were doing so much better than I was doing. And I know that the comparison trap is like an ugly, ugly thing, but I knew deep down inside that I was not reaching my potential and it was eating at me. Like it was just eating away at me and I didn't want to live like that anymore. And I spent a lot of this business trip drinking 
and numbing myself. And I realized that I was using alcohol to deal with what happened to me. And if I ever wanted to live my life to the fullest and to be happy and to excel and be proud of myself and to heal, that I needed to consider whether drinking was something that I should continue doing or not. So I will segue into the next episode. I will be talking about my journey and my decision to stop drinking for my mental health. Before you go, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast so you can receive new episodes when they are released. If you are enjoying this podcast so far, please take a moment to leave us a review. This is one of the major ways Apple ranks their podcasts, and it really only takes just a few seconds. Thank you for joining me, Lucy Pinto, in this episode of the Sassy Warrior Podcast, Stories of Everyday Resilience. See you next time.